State Farm Insurance knows that understanding and investing in our cultural identity is paramount in protecting our future. We know what it's like to go from nothing to something to wish that we had better financial literacy when we were younger. Luckily, State Farm is here to help with funding programs like Project Ready, which is committed to education achievement and has already awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to black and brown youth since 2021. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. That's how we own it! Hello everyone, it's your boy Mike Sonny General. And I'm Tamika D. Mallory, and welcome to Street Politicians, the place where the streets and politics meet. There's been a lot happening. This is our second season of Street Politicians. Folks can find uh, episodes from Street Politicians uh, Season 1 on all platforms. We're streamed everywhere. We're on Spotify, we're on Apple, we're everywhere, we're podcasts are, um, are streaming. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a special occasion for us to be coming for a second season because so much has been happening that having a platform where our voices can be heard and where we can bring you direct information about what's happening on the ground is so critically important to my son and me. Um, we're in a critical moment. I mean, this country is shifting. Whether or not everyone wants to acknowledge it, I don't know. But I know that we're in a critical time when the country is being changed. Um, there are some who want it to change for reasons that are not good for Black and Brown people. But there's a resistance that's happening across this nation, which is pushing back on anything that anyone thinks they're going to do to take us back to a time when our people weren't free. And we know that true freedom, we've got a long way to go, but street politicians' purpose is to be here to help walk through the who's what, the who's who, and the what's what. Over the last few weeks, we've been in six cities um, over the past eight days. And unfortunately, while traveling these cities, we're not on tour for a concert. Uh, we're not on tour having a good time. We're literally going from city to city dealing with death and murder based upon police violence. Six cities, eight days. And so today, we're going to be talking about a number of issues. You know, as I was 
um, thinking about what we've been doing, the places we've been traveling, I put together a little list. And I want to read some of the names from this list um, because it's critical that we understand that although so many people are engaged in this new moment, people are passionate, people want to fight, and we should be. We have to understand that this fight is not about any one person, but it's about all of our people, all those who have been killed by state violence um, and those people who uh, have not received proper justice from their city, states, and from America in general. And so I just want to read some names to you. Rodney King, March 3rd, 1991. Abner Louima, 1997. Amadou Diallo, 1999. Sean Bell, 2006. Oscar Grant, 2009. Ayana Stanley Jones, 2010. Trayvon Martin, 2012. Kamani Gray, 2013. Eric Garner, 2014. Laquan McDonald, 2014. Tanisha Anderson, 2014. Natasha McKenna, 2015. Freddie Gray, 2015. Sandra Bland, 2015. Christian Taylor, 2015. Philando Castile, 2016. Uh, Antoine Rose, 2018. Atatiana Jefferson, 2019. George Floyd, 2020. Breonna Taylor, 2020. Ahmaud Aubrey, 2020. And there's so many more names. Uh, uh, Deborah Danners to the Ramali Grams. There are so many names. Sandra, Dan, I think he said, Akai Gurley. There's too many names to mention. Um, and I'm sure we're missing so many, many people. So the thought of the day that I had, and it's a scary topic because it's so, um, you know, it's so, it's so, it's such a hot button issue, but it's real. And the question I think we have to be asking ourselves is does it take rioting that includes vandalism and burning down buildings to get justice? And how do we deal with the fact that some of the people, most of the people who are initiating these acts of vandalism, looting and violence are folks who are really not even a part of our real movement. So does it take riding to get things done? I think that's the question that we have to ask ourselves today. I think for me, you know, America has never responded to anything that was quote unquote peaceful. They've never responded to any um, ask that, that wasn't followed by a demand that threatened them to lose them. Only thing America respects, unfortunately, is the loss of life or the loss of money. You know, and we, we, don't, we don't want to take anyone's life. You know, it's a, it's a nonviolent. We, we, 
most of us practice Kenyan and Rollins. That's what we practice it. And most of our people just are naturally just innately just not violent. So, like Dr. King said, you know, riots are the voice of the unheard. And that seems to be how it shapes up. When we look back to the, the riots after Dr. King passed away, they led to the civil rights. They led to civil rights laws being passed. So we have to ask ourselves, we have to ask ourselves, if that's not the only thing they respect, what else have we ever seen work? You know, we've we seen what America is, is based on. Like, America itself is colonizers. You know what I'm saying? They have everything that they've done, they violently taken. They go into other countries and decide how they run their, you know, they run their governments and things through violence, not by peaceful takeovers, not by, by peaceful demonstrations. So you can't expect anyone who has never gained any power peacefully to give up any power peacefully. So that's what happens. I think that's what's happened. That's what we've seen throughout history. When they realize that, you know, they're going to lose property, there's a possible loss of life, there's a possible loss of something, then they, they, they're prone to make some changes. And another thing is, when you ask about a lot of these people who are out there, you know, that aren't even with the movement, there are, are also all kinds of schemes. These major corporations, they want to be looted. They want to be destroyed. They want to be bailed out. You know, they've already been bailed out. So they want to get the insurance money and the time it takes. Because we, we've been in a three-month pandemic. And if you think about what the pandemic has done, there are organizations, there are big-name organizations who have had products inside of their midst for three and for um nine, over 90 days that they probably can't even sell, that the, the warranty is, is, is going on it. You know what I'm saying? So how do they not lose the product? So when you see the provocateurs, when you see the people that look like that you don't know what they're doing here and they setting something on fire, you know, it's an insurance game. They do it in the hood. When the car get bad, they pay somebody in the hood to go burn it. Like, this is an insurance game. So they playing the same game, just on a higher level. So we can't act like we're stupid to those things. We can't act like these bailouts that they give during this COVID-19 and they're giving us $1,200 checks and they're giving them hundreds of millions of dollars don't coincide with this. So you got a hundred millions of dollars. Now the insurance for all the property you lost, you know how much money these major corporations are going to make off of this, off of this insurance thing. Cause they burnt down and they was able to had to close down and theft and loss of all these things that they under insured under. So this is a, this is a bigger game than just rise. They, they, they welcome the riots. You know what I'm saying? They welcome them, but at the end of the day, they know that they can't continue and they know they have to make some change because they know that the people are fed up. So this is a this is a, a carefully strategized plan that I think is by the government. And it's also, they understand that when you get a pe the people to a level where they don't even feel like they're being governed by the government, something has to change. They know, like this point, you see that we are no longer willing to be governed by this government. You no longer, this government right now is not representing the people. And that's why you're seeing harsh, you know, things happening. Like I'm here and I don't know, don't quote me, but somebody just texted me talking about either the, the, you know, the commissioner has been fired in New York. Maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. He should have been, been fired. But if it is, it shows you the drastic changes that have to be made in this time because the, the people in New York are no longer affected respecting law enforcement. They don't see them as someone who protects and serves them. So when you make that painfully clear, 
they have no other choice but, but to do so. I mean, I disagree about one thing, and that is I'm not sure that all of these corporations are participating in a scandal to like burn down their buildings. And I know for sure Chanel surely, surely didn't want people to run up in their joint and steal their bags and Louboutin, their shoes. I don't think that they set it up that way. And even Mark Jacobs, um, I think one of their source was hit in one city and they came out and was like, listen, it's property, it's not human beings and human life. So I don't know that all of them are bad actors, but I do agree that there's an element of this whole movement that has always since, I mean, we're talking back in the civil rights era when Dr. King was out there, there's always been detractors and there's always been people who want to stir up the confusion because in confusion, you could do things like get an insurance claim. You can make the media change its message from talking about you know, police accountability to all of a sudden the protesters are violent. Um, it gives police officers another reason to go out and kill you. And I think that's what worries me is that a lot of our young people, um, they don't really realize that, you know, one, we need to be working towards a particular goal. And then the question that we're charged with today is like, is throwing a brick gonna actually get whatever we're trying to get done solidified? I don't know, maybe it is. I'm just saying, that's the thing we always have to ask ourselves from a strategy perspective. But also, these people will kill you. And they've been doing it. They've been, there's a woman who died somewhere in this country. I can't even think of where it is, but she was out there protesting a young girl. She was a young white girl and she died. Um, you know, you saw the elderly man and when he hit the ground, the blood is coming out of his ear. So it's very dangerous and they have license to kill. They have laws that protect them killing people. Now I reckon, what we would say is, well, if people are participating in an act of rebellion and they're serious about it, then people have to be prepared to lose their lives in order to, to, to really um, uh, make a difference, right? But what I've been, you and I have been debating or, or discussing, I can't say for the, for, for the first time ever that you've been really pushing against it, but we've been debating whether or not our people are properly trained for this movement. Like, I'm not 100% sure. We don't even know our neighbors. So if you don't know your neighbor and people come into your community and they like trying to purge us, are people gonna actually come outside and say, I'm willing to take up arms to fight the McMichaels that killed um, Ahmaud Arbery? Like, are people gonna come out and really stand for us? Are these white people who are all up in our marches, are they gonna come outside and, and make a citizen's arrest on a police officer or on people like the McMichaels who and you know who, who were in the process of killing um, Ahmaud Arbery? I don't know. If we, if we could go, if we could say, we're, getting, we're gonna get our guns, we're gonna protect our communities, and we go back to Trayvon Martin. Would people in that community see themselves as being so much of the community that they would come out and take up arms and actually shoot, kill, arrest George Zimmerman? I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if that is even 
really what, what it is that that even matters. I think that will the, the issue for me is the people who would come out don't have the, the guns. You understand what I'm saying? So we know that everybody's not going to do it. It's everybody ain't built for everything. But there are people who will protect, who want to be able to protect, who want to be prepared enough to go outside. And if some, they see something, they want to have the right. They want to have a legal right. They don't want to be beyond the law. They don't want to do, you know, things that are illegal. It's just some people that don't, they want to be within the realms of the law. And it is within the realms of the law for you to have a firearm. You know, but is it but is it within the realm of the law, mice, to actually shoot your firearm? Because it Kenny is. Walker it is. It's a, in the case, the bottom, the bottom line is, in order for you, you the, the reason why you have a firearm is to protect you, your family, your home. You know, when you are in threat, when you are being threatened, you are and you have a legal firearm, you have the right to fire that firearm. It's, but it's not working that way. It is. It's the thing is this: we are not. We it's not working that way. We are not firing a firearm to protect us. So where's where's that happen? Where are we have a legal firearm, and we firing it to protect ourselves, and it's not working. Okay, so Kenny Walker. Okay, let's so talk Kenny about Walker that. Yeah, obviously now, um, he he's been able to get off, but that's also because so many people stood up for him. Exactly, um, and that's what we have to do. And, Marissa Alexander, we know because we met fighting for Melissa Alexander. This woman fired a warning shot, ended up being in jail for many years. So when you're saying that we have the right, it's that right is only becoming or being realized either after major struggle or not at all. How many people you think are locked up right now that fired a warning shot or shot someone, and rightfully so, but because they're a person of color, the law is not working for them. But that's the thing we have to do. We have to gradually, because we understand they're not going to just give us our rights. So we have to gradually go to steps. So we got to say, okay, first we're going to arm all our brothers, and then we're going to fight the fact that they did, they legally have a firearm and they have a legal right to protect themselves. So that's it's a two-pronged situation. But first, we got to make sure that they prepare. Because even, but the bottom line is, even if you got to fight for your freedom, you're not going to die. So this is to me, you rather, I'd rather take my freedom, lay, sit in jail for some years and have to fight to get my freedom back than sit there and let you shoot me and kill me in the street because I'm not, I don't have a firearm. So all that's, I'm that's is, the choices I got. I'm taking the latter. All I'm saying is you're a different breed. And I know a lot of people, I know people that right now, without- They'd rather die than shoot somebody and go to jail? No, I know, I'm saying that on the streets, on videotape, obviously it ain't been that much over this pandemic because people ain't been moving around. A woman could be standing there being beaten by any man, police officer or not. And I, I see I see brothers all the time that just look at it and they don't do shit. And I'm and you're right. I'm not saying, but I'm just saying there are those who would. And it's sisters too. It's, we're not just trying to arm the brothers. The sisters need firearms too. Like I we think that's arm true. The whole family. Because if, if somebody beating you and you pull that gun out, the conversation changes different. You know what I'm saying? So these women definitely need to be armed. No. Yeah, I agree. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future, building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. 
That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of Black and Brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating While Broke, we hear inspiring rags to riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. So Trump threatened to put military on us, more military on protesters, because he said that the governors weren't doing a good job of, of, of controlling protests. Um, this weekend, amazing, amazing, amazing in Washington, D.C., where Muriel uh, Browser is the mayor, she decided to change the, the street that leads to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue and one of the, the actual street names. And she put Black Lives Matter, either Black street. Lives Matter way on the street. And then Black Lives Matter was painted where every time Trump has to look out the window, that's what he sees. So Wait people are doing some bold things across the country. And I feel like this idea that, oh, we're going to send the military in, police have been militarized. They've been militarized. That's who you're fighting against for years. Exactly. In in the the militarization of police. That is an actual demand that we have been a part of with many groups and led by the Gathering for Justice and Justice League in terms of pushing, in fact, we marched 250 miles from New York City to Washington, D.C., around ending um, the militarization of police. So just sending out more troops, that's really all you're doing. And I bet you he was pissed to see that some of the troops were actually dancing in the street to the electric slide with the people because even they know this is a bunch of bullshit. The bottom line is, man, when you have your moral compass tells you the truth. You know, and I don't care where you work. I don't care what, what oath you took. At some point when you're just a good person, you just can't do evil and, you know, and things that don't go according to your nature. So that's what happened. We're seeing officers, we're seeing army people, we're seeing people in different fields of government and law saying to themselves, like, this is a time that I realize what's going on. And I'm not going to allow my job, you know, or my career to affect or go against my moral compass. So they, they're speaking up and they're standing with the people. And I appreciate those. 
Yeah, I do too. You know, and then a lot of stuff has been happening. Like the Minneapolis Police Department is now, they, they actually voted today and released that they're going to defund police. We've got a problem. Like the craziest shit I've ever heard is that the city of New York is planning to um, disband or at least uh, uh, not so much reduce. What's the word I'm looking for? They are going to suspend some of youth jobs. But the, the budget for police has been maintained and in some instances increased. Like, you, how, how does that work? I'm trying to tell you how it works. This is what the government does. Because when you, when you look at this pandemic, right, and you look at how it's panned out, you, you look at that they give us $1,200, right? When you get off of this pandemic in another two months, in two weeks, you're going to realize to yourself that you do not have enough money to sustain. Because the $12 was good, they suspended most of your bills, so you know they pushed it, oh, okay, yeah, you don't gotta pay for two, three months, you're good. So what's gonna happen is people have lost their jobs. We had the highest you know, unemployment rate in almost history, matter of fact, in history. And when in three months, people gonna realize what's happening because the bills gonna come back. They, they, you know, they're, they're not pushing it back and crime is going to go up. And they understand that. They understand that it's going to be a higher level of crime. So they're like, we can't just really just get all the way with the police, you know, because we, if you cut some of you, where are these kids going to get some money from? Mm. You know, this is, this is how these kids survive. They go to some of you, they get their little checks, buy their little clothes, you know, have their little fun. So now what they're supposed to do to survive. So this is a planned situation. They're like, we know that crime is about to rise in three months. You know, and all of those, those pushbacks and we, you can hold off for three months until you pay. Well, now when that third month comes, people ain't got no income. It's going to be serious. Yeah, that's why I kept paying my bills. Struggling to do it, but I did. Because our we get our money from speaking. Like, we get our money from going across the country, speaking on different programs. And somehow or another, people decided that Zooms were, were like, 80% free. Yeah. It wasn't 90%. Many. What'd 90. you say? It was 90% free for me. So you got it. It was 80% free for me. I had 20% of people actually paying something for a Zoom conversation. But basically, we didn't make any money over these last three months. And nope. so I don't know how I did it, but I was committed to paying my bills because that whole suspension of your bills is not real. It in a, in most cases, it just put the rest of the bill in three months. Like you still had to pay. So you're right. People going to be out here in trouble. And, and they're going to need the police. They feel like they're going to need the police. And they need, but it depends, right? Because I don't know. I feel like on one hand, yes, they need the police, but I also think what they need. And, and, and I think that's my frustration with America, whatever that is, it's like, no, actually you don't necessarily need police. What you need to do is have balance because they, and they talk about looting. And what we, I saw Davy D's post that's like, the biggest looting scheme that has ever happened is that $50 billion went to corporations in the stimulus package. And as you just talked about, $1,200 went to individuals. So if there was balance, 
where the corporations had to take less so that the people, the American public could actually get more, then maybe people wouldn't be in such in a place of such desperation. So I feel like you said in, in the march that you did in the Bronx where thousands of people showed up, and these are our March t-shirts that say, we all we got. We, we all we need. There you go. We all we got, we all we need. Um, thousands of people coming together. It's like, yo, we don't even need the police to help us with this march. We're good. Yeah. We, can, we can protect ourselves. Um, in the Hasidic Jewish community, we see it. We see them policing their community, um, supporting their community. And so I think it is a strategy that we could actually use. And then not to mention that other people know, they know, and elected officials and otherwise, that that's not a community you want to play around with because they're, they're going to vote and or uh, use their voices to influence whatever needs to be done so that their communities can be protected. Mm -hmm. You're right. And I think that that pushes us into our next topic about police in our own community. When you look what happened to George Floyd, you know, it's a classic example of why we need to. You know, when, when, when we police our own community, we deal with our brothers with compassion, with a level of understanding. Like, you know, whatever the situation, you're able to communicate, you're able to de-escalate, you try to figure it out, you know. And that's a, when you look at the situation, it's a classic example of people who just have disregard for our community, disregard for black life, disregard for a black body, for a black man, you know. And it's so much talk, there's been so much talk you know, I think George Floyd, he tipped the scales. You know, I think it was just, we just needed one thing. I've been saying today that he was the, the cherry on the cake. You know, the icing was the, mm. I was, the, I was us being put in slavery, you know, by the, by the slave master. And then after we was released from slavery, we had to oversee it, you know. And then after, and that was the second layer of the cake. And then the third layer of the cake was the officer. You know, and I think the icing was all of the, the, the brothers and sisters we lost throughout. Eric Gardner's, the even Rodney King, just the situation of watching how police have what they have done to us. And I think Amar Aubrey had you right there, and then George Floyd just tipped the scale, man. So the cake was full, man. And so it's time to, it's time for us to eat. They say you can't have your cake and eat it too. You know, we don't want to have this cake. We it's time to eat this cake and get rid of it, man. So I think when we look at this situation and people talk about George Floyd is, you know, why are we taking up for him? He had a criminal record. He'd done things that, you know, he wasn't a good person. He's not somebody to take up for. So, so what does black lives matter to you when you say that? Does black lives matter to me only black lives of people who are professional, only black lives of perfect black people, or only black lives of people that you deem to be their lives to be worthy? It's not every black life. You know, it's not a black life of a, a, the average person who's made mistakes, you know, who, who's been through ups and downs, who's found themselves in situations. So those people's lives don't matter to you. Those black lives are not worth us dying for. Just because he might have had a past that wasn't squeaky clean, it was okay for somebody to sit on his neck with their knee until he couldn't breathe every, as he screamed for his, his mother. Like so, this would so when you say that this is not the person. Oh, he's not the person that we should be championing behind. Wow, we 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 champion behind black lives. Black lives matter means all black lives matter. 
So we watched a black man being choked to death for, for something that w wouldn't even amount to a crime, that was never even proved. So when people say that, I'm just so confused, man. You know, the same leaders that we praise, Malcolm X used to be red, you know? You know, we all evolved from something. We all come from something. I was in jail. I spent seven years in prison on my life, you know, even for a crime that I, you don't know, you don't know the dynamics of that man's crime. You just see what it said on paper. You don't know what that man went through. You don't know if those cases are even true. You have no idea. So the reality of the situation is for you to make a judgment of whether a man should live or not, or whether he should be championed for, or, or, or people should care that he died because he has a criminal record or something that you deem that is not, you know, respectful for you, who are you? Who the hell are you? Who the hell are you to tell us that we, who we can champion? Who the hell are you to tell us who we can fight for? Who the hell are you to tell us who's going to make the change for black lives? Whoever you think he is, George Floyd was the person that woke this world up. And I'm going to celebrate him for that. I say, you say icing on the cake. I think that's too positive. I say the straw that broke the camel's back. And, you know, I've been saying that the back of the camel was already weak. It was already broken, basically. It was already bloody. It was already bruised. And yeah, you know, now it's been cracked to the point where it just can't move anymore. The camel is down. And that would be America. It's got to change. It's like, there's no more begging. There's no more crying about it. There's no more meetings. We don't need any more hearings. We need get the shit done. Like, get it done. There is a way to stop police from being able to kill people without, have, without being held accountable. You know what you do? Hold them accountable. So when they were like, oh, well, you know, Tamika, you're a leader and you, you shouldn't be calling on Joe Biden right now because we got to get Trump out. Fuck that. I don't want to hear that. My position is, if Joe Biden wants to be president and he can't answer the little questions that we have and the demands that we have, then I might as well have Trump as the president because I'm dealing with the same thing. One person that's completely crazy and out of his mind and another person that's going to be a closet racist. So I need you to show me you're my ally. When I scream out and I call out, when a baby cries out, the baby is not mad at the parents. The baby is not, doesn't hate the parents, but the baby is saying there needs to be attention put on this issue. And yes, so when we calling out saying we want to hear from Joe Biden, that doesn't mean that we support Trump. Who the hell? Like, we've been fighting against Trump. And yeah, I think it's... Know what we voted for got our back. That's it. I don't think I that's think too much answer. Yeah, I think it's disrespectful for people to try to make it seem like just because we're demanding things of, of Biden that somehow that makes us uh, on uh, what they, they said they said I was being uh, it was some it was a word they used they said I was being uh naive naive okay and irresponsible that I would I that I would I would think that in this moment we should be challenging this is exactly the moment my sister uh Tedlin, um who's a great leader said she, she used to be with the Bernie Sanders campaign and, and she said, yo, this is the moment. People mad at Puff. Oh, you know, Puff, he, this is the wrong time. It probably would have been better if he would have said something about, um, you know, the voting issue and, 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 and holding our vote hostage, if you will, when there were more people running. 
and we had options where we could kind of play around and, and figure out who's the best person. But hey, it didn't happen at that time. It happened at the moment when we're in, that we're in. And it needs to happen because we are tired of being given these boogeyman choices. Well, you know, if you don't, if you don't do this, then that person is gonna get all my get Trump. Like, you gonna get Trump. I mean, you know, we don't freaking want Trump. I don't want Trump to be president again. But I know one thing, what we have ain't working. And and what I mean by what we have is I'm talking about the DNC and these entities that, you know, just they don't give you much, but they ask for everything. It's a fact. So State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future, building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of black and brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Walbroke, we hear inspiring rags to riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. You're right. Listen to me. I'm with you, man. And I want to, first of all, I want to commend you on probably having the greatest speech of, you know, this, if of modern history, you know, behind, like, I have a dream, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's being compared up there with that, man. Um, The words that you said, I, I was just grateful to be in the building you know, at that press conference when you came from your heart and you spoke about how black people have been treated in this country and, 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 and how fed up we are. You know, there are not many times that we have in history that are are monumental. And this is a monumental time. That was a monumental speech. So first, you know, commend you live on our platform, Street Politicians. If you have not heard that speech, then you need to go Google it or you probably under a rock somewhere. You know, it was not king it was at thing. all. The bottom line is this. I've heard you say that a thousand times. I've listened to me. I've heard you say speeches that I didn't understand why the world ain't here before. I, I heard you say a speech yesterday that probably rivaled that one. You know what I'm saying? So 
the bottom line is I know what it is that you do, but I'm just glad that you actually get the recognition that the world's able to see what you see. You know, what I see with us at, until freedom scene with so many of us have been there, you know, have been with you from the beginning, who have followed your leadership, have been able to see for, you know, for years. So I'm just glad that you're getting recognition. And in a couple of hours, it's going to be your birthday. It's going to be my birthday. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, give you a little, give you a little shout out, man. We got to give people their flowers while they're here because most of the time people don't get their flowers, man. So just want to say we appreciate you. I'm 40. So at the point that we are actually uh, filming this piece. You will be 40. I am right. We're recording it. I am turning 40 years old uh, in a few hours from now. Uh, so by the time you see it, I'll already be 40 and we'll already be on our way to 41. Like time goes by so fast. Um, but you know, on that speech, you know how I do. When I got to do a speech, I shut everybody out. I don't want to talk. I got to write it down. I need to go over it. I need to make sure, check with my historians, make sure my message is right. My historian, Mark Thompson, that's my go-to person. I get a few uh, kick punch lines from you and I get my political inspiration from Linda. I check my media references with Rachel and I might get a gut feeling from my mama and daddy about whether or not what I'm saying is good. Oh, and then finally, finally, my child says, Ma, ain't none of that cool. <laughs> like, you sound whack. <laughs> so I get, I got, a, I got a, a process that I go through when I'm doing speeches. But by the time we made it to the press conference, which Jamie Foxx was at, it was led by, um, uh, uh, Jackson. Uh, I'm sorry? Stephen Jackson. Stephen Jackson. I was about to say Stephen Jack. I don't know. Anyway, Stephen Jackson, who I now just love because I see the commitment. And he's a friend of... Um, George Floyd. Right. He's a friend of George Floyd's, a very good friend of his. And, you know, I was like, I don't know. I felt like I just... At the time that we got there, no one had been arrested. We found out that Chauvin was being arrested during the press conference. But arriving there, we were like, what? Like, there's nothing happening? It's been days, and there's still nothing happening for George Floyd, and no one is being held accountable. So I was just speaking from my heart. I was just speaking from my heart. I was saying what I believe to be true, and it just so happened that I, I through the grace of God, articulated the feeling, the collective feeling of Black people in America and um, I was in, in the, the, the CEO, the president and CEO of Urban League, uh, Mark Moriel said to me, you was just explaining it, just explaining it. And that, and that was so powerful because it's the truth. I was just explaining American history and how when you start trying to talk to us about looting, like what? We've been looted as a people and all this violence, we've learned this violence from America. You know, and, and, and I said something about Target and AutoZone. You know, I spoke about these corporations and then Target put out a statement saying, and I don't know if I had anything to do with it, but they put out a statement saying that they were going to provide resources to the protesters. So, you know, I'm grateful to God for using me as a vessel to speak truth to power. I did what I've always done, but because I feel, and I, I, I truly deeply believe that I'm a free black woman because I'm not funded by any of these people. 
I'm not funded by any of these move these these. I, you know, we did that at the Women's March, even though we didn't have corporate money, we were still funded by a powerful group of individuals and a lot of white women, to be clear. And now we're getting a dollar, two dollars, three dollars, four dollars from black people. And for my birthday, I launched a campaign where people could give to Until Freedom um, four dollars. $40 or $400 for my 40th birthday. And I'm, I'm, I'm so appreciative of the investment, as you always say, the That's investment right. that folks are making to, 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 to be with us, to work with us, and to be a part of this freedom fighting agenda together. So, so yeah, if you want to make an investment and on behalf of Tamika's birthday of $4, $40, $400, you can go follow us at Until Freedom on Instagram. We have a million links there, but if you want to make an instant one, it's dollar sign until freedom to cash app that you can send to at this right now. But as you hear it, you can type it, you know, because that's what it is, is investment in freedom, man. If you don't believe that we're going to get the freedom that you want or we're going to fight with every ounce of us to get the freedom, then don't invest in us. We don't want, we don't take donations because we don't want charity. We don't want you to feel like you're giving us something. We want you to feel like you are invested in the same freedom that we are invested in. So, you know, and, and you another- www.untilfreedom.com. That's www.untilfreedom.com. And I think I'm old school because I still say www. People don't say www. But untilfreedom.com is where you can go to get it, all the details on how you can donate or invest. Exactly. No work. And um, listen- uh, I'm new school. Cash App works so fast. Is that the it does, but it breaks at that? times. It breaks. Don't worry about it. It get you if you don't. Then yeah. you can go to until go to until because oh, Ven, because Venmo is there. That's at until freedom. Okay, so either way, anyway. So listen, I think we're done for today. But the next topic that we have to have, and we're going to have guests on, is to talk about Breonna Taylor. We've got to talk about Breonna Taylor. Because that's crazy, be a- because I just want to just give a little bit of, because we found out about George Floyd because we were down there for Breonna Taylor. You know, we were, we were- In Louisville, Kentucky. We was in Louisville, Kentucky. We were celebrating, actually, Breonna Taylor on Memorial Day. We did a memorial for her with her family. You know, and then we actually went, and then we um, demanded that the officers be arrested. We did a press conference the next day. And in the interim, we had to go to, um, where do we have to go to? Uh, Indianapolis, because there were three police police killings in 24 hours in which a pregnant woman was ran over. Sean Reed, the guy that you all see on videotape driving, and the police are chasing him. And then you see the officer leaning into the camera, which, which he doesn't know he's being filmed. And he says something like, you know, I guess this won't be an open casket or something terrible that happened. Um, and that was in Indianapolis and we were there. And that's when we learned, as you were saying, that you know, Floyd had, had lost his life. And we drove 10 hours in the middle of the night, straight over there to Minneapolis. And the things I seen there was just, it was like a war zone. But um, we're here. So we're on the channel. We're definitely going to talk about Breonna Taylor next time. If you don't know, I have an album out. I got a book that's out. Um, it's called I Know My Rights. It um, McBride Publishing is one of my, it's a children's book. I love it. It's the number one seller 
Thank you for the people who supported me for making number one seller. On um, Amazon. It's on Amazon. It's a number one seller on Amazon. And um, we, we appreciate you, man. And if you can, go get it. The album, so not for sale. The album is out. You can go get that. Um, and just, for me, just until support off until freedom, man. We all we got. We all we need. And, and, and just so folks know, while I'm always, you know, working with my brother and we're going to be doing street politicians forever because we got some shit to say and we want people to hear it. But also, I have a, a show with uh, Jamila T. Davis and Yandy Smith-Harris and our friends called Talk Over Tea. And that's really the ladies coming together to, to really kind of delve into um, all that's happening from a women's perspective, from a woman's perspective from some strong black women's voices and, and our perspectives. And so you'll hear about Talk Over Tea and we want you to tune into that. Um, you know, again, the next time you hear from us, it'll be a special, a special on Breonna Taylor. We'll be bringing her lawyers. We'll be bringing her mother, her best friend, because we are not going to stop until we see justice for Breonna Taylor. There will not be a woman at this point, at this time, that will receive less attention from the media and from our people and from all people um, as we have seen with so many movements in the past. Breonna Taylor was murdered in her home. It's wrong. Um, she was murdered for no reason at all. And it's, it has to be dealt with. So I want to say thank you. Oh, first of all, before we even do that, Marsan, it's got to be something that you don't get because you never get anything. Oh, you, man. You don't we're, get anything. We're doing our good. What I don't get, right, was if we'd seen a video where a police officer pushed a 75-year-old man who hit his head on the ground, and then another officer stopped him from picking up a man as his head was bleeding, you know, the officer got charged. The officers got charged with a level of assault. They lost their jobs. And then when they was coming out of the courtroom, there were people supporting them. There were people clapping for them. I don't get how your humanity allowed you to clap for that situation. I don't get how, and most of those were officers. And I, would, I think what we need to do is find the name of all of those officers because those officers are not fit to work for the police. They are not fit to you know, um, protect and serve. And I just really didn't get it. I watched that scene a bunch of times. I watched the man hit the ground. I watched his head bleeding. I watched officers walk by him. I watched one of them say, don't touch him. I watched them just ignore this man as blood gushed from his head, this mm. elderly man. And these people actually applauded that. They applauded that. So there's a level of evil within this system that I just don't get. I don't think it's ever been in my heart. I don't think it can ever be in my heart. There's something going on and we need something different because this system as it is, is just not right. And I just don't get it. Yeah, and you know, we know a few good cops. I'm not gonna say there are no good cops. There are some. Edwin Raymond and the NYPD 12, they are an example in New York of officers who are really trying to fight back, fight back against the system. So I think there are some good cops. So where we see that officers actually like protested, and I think it was like a hundred officers that decided that they were going to push back against um, these 
officers being held accountable for their actions and being reprimanded, it sort of debunks this whole conversation about good cops. Because we're still trying to figure out where they are. And if, you, if you're silent, if you're so quiet that we can't hear you, then I don't, I don't really know that those are good cops at all. So, or that the system, I think the system of white supremacy, of racism, of everything that we see really overshadows good cops. And until officers begin to step in, take control, uh, perform uh, uh, citizens' arrests or officers arresting officers, officers maybe having to draw their guns on other officers, like that's the place that we're at right now. It's not a passive movement. It's not an old one. I see you, sis. I'm going to let you know. I'm, I'm cop number so-and-so, so badge number, whatever, and I'm with you. Not nah, like lives have to be saved. And if you're standing by while people are being murdered, then you become just like those officers who stood by and watched Chauvin put his knee in George Floyd's neck and, as Attorney Ben Crump says, torture him to death and kill him. And they weren't that innocent because they had their knees in his back as well. But they also could have stopped it and said, enough is enough. And so they have now been charged and they should be. So that's my position. You know, thank you so much. Look, one thing, we disagree on everything. If there was any, we could, we could, be, we could be talking about uh, any issue, doesn't matter what it is, we disagree. But one thing we agree on is Black folks and our freedom. And we agree around this police accountability issue. And so um, I guess th maybe there's a turn of the tides in terms of our discussions for the next few months as we lead towards an e election, and maybe we won't disagree all the time. Not yeah, all. The time. We, we ain't got time. We ain't got time to disagree right now. Black folks is getting their ass kicked, so we gotta agree about that, man. And, and you know, we love us. We I know that we love us like nobody else. So I appreciate that. You know, but we'll fight about something one day. <laughs> Something gonna come up, we'll be fighting. But listen to me. We gotta go. Let Tamika enjoy her birthday. We definitely not gonna always agree. And I'm not gonna always be right. And she's not gonna always be wrong, which she is most of the time. But we're always going to be authentic. So. That's how we own it. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. 
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.